Hi guys, what is up and welcome to another episode of What is Life Storytime with X. I'm your host, Christina Lucio, but you can call me X. So I just want to briefly say that the purpose of me creating a podcast was because I have been through a lot of trauma and things in my life and I just wanted to show you a different perspective on how I have been able to stay positive and when I first started my job three years ago, um, a lot of people were kind of confused to why I was always so happy, bubbly, no matter if it was day shift, night shift. And I had a coworker ask me, why are you always so happy? And my response is always that I have seen a lot of negative stuff in the world and I don't want to contribute to more negativity. So I choose to remain positive. When I thought about this topic of guns and violence and gang violence and all the traumatic events that I have been in my life, I thought it was kind of a weird topic to discuss when my previous episodes have been so happy and so cheery. But today I woke up to news that there was a shooting in Texas that left 14 elementary school kids dead and one teacher. And I am just upset I'm done with it and I literally had to go and take a walk because I was just so angry and I just wanted to cry and I'm just so upset and I I knew by recording this prior to this incident that my view would have backlash because I am anti-gun but I am here to explain all the reasons why I'm anti-gun and to give you my perspective. Another thing that made me really sad and upset is that every week when I sit down to record this podcast episode, I always write down all the topics and stories that I am basically going to be focusing on. And that is how I get through my schedule of recording this podcast. And what made me sad is that I literally have usually five bullet points of like what I want to talk about. And this topic, sadly enough, through personal experiences, I have two full pages in my diary of things that I want to talk and discuss about. So if this is triggering to you, I'm sorry you don't have to listen to this episode, but here we go. Here are the reasons why I am anti-gun. I try to stay neutral in many situations, but in this situation, I can already tell you that I'm going to be extremely biased on the topic and the reason why is because in the last two weeks alone, there has been this school shooting, a church shooting, a shooting at a grocery store. And it's like every day I wake up and I'm just tired of hearing about it. I'm tired of seeing it. Like when is enough enough? And the reason why it's so triggering to me is because I grew up in Boyle Heights in East Los Angeles, California. Sadly, my experiences with gun violence and gang violence started at a young age so because i grew up in this gang infested neighborhood unfortunately i lived on one block where this dominant gang was territorial of and literally only a block away what across the street of this block was the territory of another rival gang 
So as you can see, we were kind of living in this area of constant fear of basically being shot because of these gangs. Um, I remember the first time I saw a dead body. I was not even five years old. And I remember walking down to the major street and seeing literally four dead bodies being covered in sheets. And I remember the sheets being stained with red blood. I remember my neighbor who happened to be my classmate. She lived literally across the street and two houses down. And I remember the moment that her four-year-old brother was shot in a drive-by shooting. And I'm watching the news in my house as I'm looking out the window and seeing it happening live for myself because I all the news stations, there's yellow tape, were like covering where we lived. As I was watching it unfold on TV, I was actually living it. I remember going to sleep hearing helicopters every single night. I'll never forget one incident where I heard the gunshot and I heard the screaming, the yelling, the helicopters. And the next day I went outside to play and I looked at the side of the building and I remember seeing these big craters of holes in the building from where the shots had landed. My aunt was almost killed in one of these incidences. I won't go too into details because obviously I was a child, but I do remember some of the details of the story. I remember she was sitting out on the stoop. We lived in the projects and her and her friend um, were sitting down uh, on the stairs talking. She went inside to go get something to drink. And while she was inside, somebody drove by and shot up where they were sitting. And her friend, she heard the shot. She ran back and she saw her friend you know, slumped over and she saw him basically die in front of her. Like he passed away and like this literally happened in seconds. Like my aunt would have died if she did not in this split second go in to get something to drink. And I can only imagine the survival's guilt or like the fear of realizing like that could have been you and like the PTSD she must have suffered from it. Another story I have for you is I remember being in the fifth grade and we were all escorted out to the um, playground and we had to line up and everyone was taking our names and we were signing papers and I remember everyone, every child being accounted for because there was a bomb threat and I remember sitting down on the hot asphalt like waiting to see if my mom was going to be picking me up and mind you I'm only in the fifth grade and I remember a couple of my friends crying and we were scared because we didn't know what was going on and thankfully it was a false alarm but still to be in the fifth grade and wondering if you're gonna die that day because somebody decided to put a bomb in your school it's absolutely ridiculous and when I was in high school I used to take the bus home and I one day it was such a struggle to take the bus because the bus 
there's so many kids trying to get on the bus. We're all fighting to get on the bus. Like we want to go home as soon as possible. And like, I had a really strict mom and she could never understand like why I was late sometimes home because the buses would just sometimes skip our stop because it was just too much for them to handle with all of us fighting to get on the bus. So I remember one particular day I'm so obviously there's four corners of a street. I was on the North, um, west corner or is it the north yes the north uh west corner and we were waiting to get on the bus and I remember like begging I was pushing up against the bus driver and I was like please like let me get in because the bus was so full and I remember him like being like no no we're gonna close the doors like no more students no more students and I was like please like just one more like you don't understand my mom will be so upset if I don't get home on time and so I like shoved my way through and I got on the bus luckily and I remember we started to um go up the hill towards the next street which is the main street to go to my house and I get a phone call from my father and he is frantic and he's telling me like hey there was a shooting at your school at the bus stop are you okay and I was like what are you talking about dad I literally just got on the bus like there was no shooting like I'm fine and he's like yeah like look at the news there is a shooting literally at your school at the bus stop And sure enough, I start like Googling it on my phone and there it is. There's a shooting across the street. It wasn't on the block that I got on the bus, but it was across the street from us. And it literally happened as we were driving away. And I remember being like so thankful because I was one of the last people to jump on the bus. And if I didn't, I would have been there to witness the actual shooting. I remember, you know, not really knowing too much about the shooting. The story that I heard was that a car drove by that bus stop across the street by where this Ralph's was and that there was like four kids in a car or whatever gang members in a car and they were asking the kids at the bus stop like, hey, do you bang? And somebody started throwing up gang signs and saying, yes, I do. And then I think like four shots went into the crowd and a couple of them got hit. I don't remember if anyone died. But I remember them saying like somebody did get get shot, get hit. And I never put two and two together. But like a couple months or years later, I remember seeing them starting to install wheelchair ramps. And I always assumed that the wheelchair ramps were just because we were probably getting a new student who was in a wheelchair. And I remember seeing this student. I used to think it was cute because he used to sit, um, I mean, obviously he was sitting in his wheelchair, but his girlfriend used to sit on his lap and like he would wheel her around in his wheelchair and I always just thought it was like the cutest thing it wasn't up until graduation when he made his speech about being shot at the bus stop and I was like oh my god like I can't believe I was so naive and stupid like I can't believe I didn't remember or know that he was the one that got shot like that's why they made the ramps because he was one of our students and when he got shot he got paralyzed so when he was coming back to school the school had to make these accommodations for him because now he was um a paraplegic and he um couldn't walk anymore so that is just another incident to add to like a list of things that are just scary i know i talk a lot about my times working at starbucks and Unfortunately, I did work there for 10 years. It's not the unfortunate part, but like unfortunately where I worked, we were in um, 
not even a bad neighborhood. We were just in a bad location. There was a lot of homeless people. We were open um, basically almost 24 hours. So there was always incidents and problems. I mean, it was so bad that not only did we have plaza security, but we had our own security guard from seven to three o'clock in the morning when we would leave. And um, I remember there being a bomb threat at our Starbucks and I remember having to evacuate and I was in charge and I remember we had to walk to the local Denny's and I remember like closing the store, escorting everybody out, running to the Denny's and then just basically sitting there waiting. I think the bomb threat was at the um, Chase Bank that was across the street from where we worked and I remember just sitting there wondering like what the hell am I supposed to do? Like I am I believe 19, 20 years old in charge of these two other employees that I'm working with. And like, I don't know anything. Like, I don't know what to do in this situation. Like, we're just sitting here at this Denny's waiting to be cleared. And I remember how angry I was because as we were cleared to go back to work, customers didn't give a shit of like the threat that we were just exposed to. They were just more worried about getting their cup of coffee. And it's like, come on, like... I just, I don't understand the entitlement in this country with some people, but anyway, while I worked at Starbucks, there had been robberies almost at every single store in our surrounding neighborhood, and we never officially got robbed, but we, I did unfortunately go through an incident that gave me PTSD for weeks. Um, I was working with my coworker, I'm gonna name her Rubes, and I remember it was just her and I at the time and Jay, my best friend, was going to come to work later on that night and she usually did not work the night shift. Um, And we had security at this point. So me and Rubes are like waiting for Jay to show up to work and this guy, I'll never forget his face, this guy with a blue hoodie and a green hat walks in and he's asking Rubes like, hey, what time do you guys close? And I think at that time we closed at like 2 a.m. And he said, what else is open at that at this time in this plaza? And at this time, I remember like, I think the subway next door and the Rite next door were like 24 hours and like the Ralph's was um, open till 2 a.m. Like this whole plaza was open pretty late. And I remember her answering him and he said, what makes you guys so fucking special? And we were like, what? Like, what? what is he asking? And I just thought it was weird. Like, you come into the store, you have a hoodie on, you have a green hat like that I recognize. And like, I just find that really weird. Like, why would you be asking what time we close and what else is open around this area? And why are you asking if we're so special? Like, I don't, I didn't understand the incident. But later on, um, Jay ended up coming and we were all off and Rubes got picked up by her uh, husband and Jay was waiting for her boyfriend and our security guard, um, he's not supposed to leave until we all leave, but I kind of didn't find it fair that he had to stick around past his shift to hang out with us because Jay's boyfriend was a little late. So I told him, like, you know, it's fine. We'll be okay. Like, go home and um, and I'll just wait with Jay. Mind you, it's like 2.30, 2.45 in the morning now. And we're by ourselves in this plaza. And so I'm sitting there. I'm waiting for Jay's boyfriend to come. And he finally comes. Well, as I'm crossing the parking lot to go to my car, because I parked near the bus stop, I see someone look at me and I see them whistle. 
I used to be an LAPD explorer for like six years. So I kind of like had to forcibly be street smart. So I always pay attention to my surroundings. So when I looked at him, he looked at me and then he whistled. I start scanning the parking lot and I see this gray truck back out of their spot and just start zooming towards me. And the truck was really weird like it it was a silver truck with like a purple electrical boat bolt sorry uh drawn onto the side in decal and it had like this metal I don't want to say fencing but like this basically it looked like a, a construction truck and I catch on quickly and I'm like oh fuck so I run to my car, I hop in, I, I don't even remember buckling my seatbelt and this truck pulls up right next to me and four boys start taking their seatbelts off and they're yelling and they're screaming and who is in the damn passenger side? The guy with the blue hoodie with the green hat. So quickly, I since they parked and were literally parallel parked next to each other, I reverse really quickly back to behind them. So now they're stuck because they can't get out. And I just zoom. I take off. I'm calling my boyfriend and I'm like, hey, I'm we were living together at the time. And I'm like, hey, can you please come outside? Like I and I lived like four miles away from the from the store I was like please come outside please help me like I'm being followed home and I was like I don't know what these boys are trying to do I don't know if they're trying to rape me I don't know if they're trying to rob me like but they're following me at this point so they start following me on the freeway they get right next to me my window is up and the kid with the green hat starts jumping out of his we're on the freeway mind you I'm going like I don't know 70 80 miles an hour now because I'm trying to flee why didn't first call the cops I don't know I was just trying to get home and wanted my boyfriend to come help me so um he I saw is leaning out of his car with the four other boys and they're yelling and they're screaming we're on the freeway and he's reaching out almost as if he's trying to like jump into my window the only thing I could think of is I'm gonna break really hard they're gonna zoom past and I'm gonna exit the freeway and that's what happened and I remember getting home and I remember my boyfriend at the time having like two knives in his hands and he's like what is going on and I was like oh my god like I just they were trying to follow me home like I don't know if they were trying to rob the store like I don't know if these are the people that were you know um been robbing the other Starbucks but like now it all makes sense now it makes sense to why he was asking what time we closed and like who was around at that time and like what made us so special they were basically planning to rob us and I remember for like the next two weeks I didn't even put two and two together, but I remember not being able to sleep at night and I was just tossing and turning. And then I remember waking up because I was sleeping throughout the day and I remember waking up and being like, oh my God, I must have PTSD. Like I must be afraid of this incident, even though I didn't feel terrified anymore after the incident happened. Like I feel like now I get it. My body is like reacting to this trauma and like I am not even realizing it. 
And I remember my boss saying, like, don't ever send security home. Like, wait, even if you guys have to wait for your ride, like, don't send him home anymore. And I remember it just being a terrifying experience. Another story that I have for you, um, I was gifted, me and my ex, a different ex, um, that I was, my ex-fiance that I was living with at the time, um, years later, we were gifted this free massage because my friend um, was opening her own um, massage parlor and she was trying to build her clientele, so she told us like, hey, you can come in on any time and like get a free massage, and I was like, okay. Um, when I used to live in East Los Angeles, we had this neighboring market that would sell these fireworks called cherry bombs. So we, when I was growing up in LA, like never knew, like, is that a cherry bomb that someone's lighting off or is that a damn like gun? Like you, you just never know the difference between, because of how loud they are. So I remember I wasn't feeling well. I was laying on the bed waiting for us to be time for us to leave, to go to the massage parlor. When all of a sudden I hear two pops. And then I start hearing more pops and I look at my, my ex-fiance and I'm like, "Uh Oh, like, I think that's shooting. Like I popped up real quick and like my adrenaline's pumping and he was in the Marines and he was like, no, no, like those are not gunshots. You're crazy. Like those are probably just fireworks. And then we hear screaming and then we hear crying and I just like, I don't hear the shots anymore. My first instinct is to help. So I hop up and I run outside. He grabs the car keys cause like we're ready to leave to go to this massage parlor. And I run and I see this van outside in the neighboring apartment building and they're in the driveway, which shares a driveway with ours. And I see these two men that are dead in their van. And I'm like, don't know if they're fully dead. I see them bleeding. I see um, blood coming out of his hand. I see it dripping on the van. I hear people screaming. I hear people crying. Like people are looking at the van and I'm running to them to try to help. And as I'm about to like go open the door, my, my ex-fiance grabs my hand and pulls me away. And he's like, what the hell are you thinking? And I was like, they need help. Like they need CPR. They need something like someone needs to help them. And he's like, no, you're crazy. They could still be lurking they could still be around here like they could shoot us like we have to go so he pushes me in the car we sped off we see another car down the road speeding off and we're like is that them like I'm like can we follow them like can we get their license plate number and he's like no you're crazy we're getting the fuck out of here and I'm like I'm fighting myself because growing up in Los Angeles in in this gang infested neighborhood the reason I feel so many people get hurt and the, the reason I feel so many thing, bad things happen is because people are so afraid to speak up. And so I fight myself all the time with incidents like this because as much as I want to help and have seen so many terrible things, at the same time, it's like, yeah, you have to protect yourself. You have to, you know, you can't help everybody. And my ex was more focused on our safety, but I was like, I was focused on trying to catch who this was trying to catch, like, I'm sick of it. I'm tired of, of it. I'm tired of families being torn apart. I'm tired of people not being held accountable. So at the same time, yeah, I'm scared that I myself might get shot. But at the same time, like this person needs help. Like I, can I live with myself if I just walk away and not help them? Like that is my biggest concern. Like I want to do what I have to do to, to sleep at night. And I don't know if I've told you guys this story, um, in another podcast, but when I was in the third grade and I was living in Los Angeles, um, with my grandparents, I was playing out in the, um, 
I was playing out in the playground. We lived in the project. So there was like four or five apartment buildings right behind each other. And every other one had a playground. And so I'm literally outside alone playing in this playground. And I hear this man. Um, and he's getting beat by the bucket by four, three to four gang members. And he's African-American. I think he was homeless. And the three gang members um, or four gang members were like Hispanic. And they're laughing and they're beating him with a bucket. And they're stripping him naked in front of me. And he is yelling for help. And nobody comes to help him. And these gang members see that I'm watching. I'm staring. I was in the third grade. I'll never forget this. And I run home and I tell my grandma like hey this guy needs help this guy needs help because I was banging on the door and she opened the door and she's like what and I'm like he needs help he needs help look like he's getting beat up and she brings me into the house and she slammed the door and she's like don't say anything and I was like what and she's like I'm like he needs help like can we call the cops and she's like no she closed she closed the blind she she locked the door and she's like just don't say anything and I remember that very moment I felt like this is wrong this is this is not right like this man needs help and nobody would help him and I felt bad and like I remember watching his clothes like there was this one black shirt and I remember just watching them slowly disintegrate through the months like the rain the summer like I remember that shirt being there for a very long time and I remember that incident and like after that it just angers me so much to see this violence and like nobody doing anything about it I remember around 2008 um as a little girl there was this hospital and if you live in East LA you know the hospital is General Hospital and I remember the building being so beautiful and I remember the architecture of the building and I remember just being so fascinated and in love with this building well, it happened to be what's known as LACUSC Medical Center um, to this day. So my uncle, there's an old building and there's a new building. The old building is the building I'm talking about that I just think is so beautifully like made. Like The architecture is just unmatched. And when we got the call, I believe in 2008 that my uncle was shot, we rushed down to this uh hospital and I remember sitting in the lobby and looking at the stained glass and just thinking like how beautiful it was and like being worried about my uncle and like wondering if he was ever gonna walk again and I remember this building um sitting in it and I remember them telling my uncle like no you're never gonna walk again and I believe in miracles I've seen them as a nurse and my uncle walks he has a limp but like he walks and when I became a nurse And I was in my last semester of nursing school. I was so lucky that I got to spend so much time in the intensive care unit. And I got to spend a winter um, session in this hospital. And I got to spend um, almost a full semester between them and uh, Keck across the street in their ICU. And I remember my first day there, I went to the trauma floor and my first patient was a gang member and I remember he got shot about nine to twelve times I remember seeing a wound vac for the first time the abdomen was open and I just remember this was like the first time I ever seen 
somebody on life support and like when you don't know what the machines are in the ICU and like you've never been in the environment like it's really intimidating it's really scary and I remember looking at the pictures on the wall I remember looking at all his tattoos and like just knowing clearly that he was a gang member and it just broke my heart because I like I knew at that very moment that that is why I wanted to go into trauma trauma nursing is my favorite and this is why I was so sick and tired of and to be honest this is why I wanted to be a cop prior to being a nurse I was just so sick and tired of seeing families torn apart by violence and like by gangs and all this stuff and I'll never forget when his 12 year old son walked in and saw what I was seeing and I remember him saying like I love you, dad. And I remember fighting my tears as I was like looking at his pictures because I felt bad. Like that could be me. Like that could have been my uncle. And I loved this hospital so much because I had seen so many miracles happen at that hospital. One being my uncle. And I remember like, this is what I want to dedicate my life to. Like, this is what I wanted to be a nurse practitioner for. Like, because I wanted to work in trauma and I'll never forget that patient. Unfortunately, they succumb to their injuries and they pass. But I just, I don't understand when the violence will end. I know this is kind of jumping topics, but um, I remember my husband and I, the first time he ever took me to the county fair. I believe we were at the Orange County Fair. I had never been and like, that is our thing. Like, that is our favorite thing to do. Uh, We look forward to the county fair every year and we were walking around and then I hear shots and I duck and I'm like running and my husband looks at me and he starts laughing and he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, the gunshots, like, did you not hear them? And he was like, no, silly. Like that was the game. Like you throw darts at the balloon and they pop and he's like, they're balloons popping and they're not guns. And he starts laughing and I'm like, I don't think that shit's funny. Like, this is my reality. This is how I grew up. Like you hear gunshots, you duck and run. Like I, you protect your head. Like, what, you know, and, and he just thought it was so funny. He couldn't understand like why I was so scared and why I was like ducking. And I'm like, this is just so crazy. And I remember we, so another thing that we love to do is ramen. We love to eat. Well, I love to eat ramen. I drag him with me. Soup is just one of my favorite foods. And so I love to eat ramen. And we used to go to this ramen place up in Ventura because his mother bought a beach house. And, like, we would go eat ramen all the time at this beach house. And we had this awesome waiter. Awesome waiter. And he was so cool. Like, we look forward to seeing him every single time. And I remember telling my friends, like, you guys, this ramen is so good. Like, they have amazing food. Like, we have to go to this ramen place. Like, one day we'll all make it up there to the beach house and, like, we'll have ramen. And one day I'm sleeping. And my husband wakes me up and he's like, you'll never freaking believe what I just saw on the news. And I was like, what? And he shows me the news article and the server, our favorite server from the ramen place is accused of shooting and murdering his like mother and aunt or something. And we're like, what the hell? Like, what? one, what a small world. Two, him, him of all people, like, we love him. Like, it is just so crazy. Like, you never know when someone, or close to you or not, or like that you just know of, 
is going to lose it. My last and final story is going to be about a school shooting that I was not present for, but saw the aftermath of. I was driving home from work. I was on the night shift and my husband was too, but for some reason he was going to go help out during the day. So I was calling him as I was driving home. We weren't living uh, together at this time. And I remember getting this text message. I was literally almost home and I don't really, I'm not one to text and drive. Like I don't support that. Um, But I see this text from my best friend coworker and I'm like, why is she texting me this early? And I look at it and obviously my phone gave me a preview of it and it says, I'm picking up my son from school. Shots were fired. And I'm thinking, oh, no way. There's no school shooting in this area. There's no way. Like, this is a really nice affluent neighborhood. Like, no, it must be fireworks or something. And then she sends me like a screenshot, I think, of the news article. And it's real. And I, we work at that local hospital. And so I'm telling my husband, like, oh, my God, there's a school shooting down the street from our job. And he's like, oh, shit, like, I got to get up and start going then. Like, I'm just going to go in early, like, and see if they need help. And I remember talking to my coworker and her telling me that she was so angry at her son because she was on his on their way to take him to school when he realized he left his backpack in their other car so she was pissed at him because she was basically like yelling at him like you need to be more responsible you need to be on top of it like now we're going to be late so she had to turn around go pick up the backpack and drive back to the school well literally that saved his life because and then she felt horrible when she picked him up for school because had he not forgotten his backpack he would have been in the area where the shooter was shooting but because he they had to go back and get the backpack he was walking into school when he heard the shots and he turned around and walked back and that's when he called her and i just remember the fear and the anger at with everybody at work and the heartache that we had to endure because this is our city this is our neighborhood this is where we work like we're prideful of our of our job and like knowing that this happened is so heartbreaking and knowing that this is a small community and like everybody knows everybody in this neighborhood is really disheartening and heartbreaking and i remember you know these pro gun conspiracy theorists i saw like on youtube claiming that this was fake claiming that this was all made up and it just angered me so much that it's like dude you don't know what the hell you're talking about like it really pisses me off that you know i understand people fight for freedom of speech and your first amendment right and it just it pisses me off that it's like with great power comes great responsibility. So it is your responsibility that if you're going to have this large following, how dare you 
make up some bullshit just to protect your guns. Like, I I don't understand, like, how many lives have to be lost before this gets across and through our heads. One thing that angers me so much about this topic is the fact that people rather protect their image and people would rather protect their quote-unquote right to bear arms than realize that people's lives are worth more than that. And that's what bothers me about this entire topic. And I can see why the other side of America has a different perspective because, yeah, I'm, I'm from Los Angeles. I didn't grow up in a hunting town. I didn't grow up in the South where this is socially acceptable to have fun and, like, go out and go hunt and, like, use your guns. Like, I have a friend who's a travel nurse who is my height, five foot two, probably 120 pounds. And, like, yeah, she backpacks by herself. I can understand why she would want a gun to protect herself, but at the same time, it's, like, I believe we do need stricter laws and one thing that angers me is like a hospital that I worked at we asked like can we please get metal detectors because this is scary like people are don't have coping skills any in America anymore like I don't understand when people lost regard for another human life like I don't understand that like can we please get some protection and get metal detectors and their answer was no we don't want to like give off the wrong impression to the neighborhood like excuse me you're more worried about your image than protecting your employees like you think that this will never happen here that this will never happen to you until it does I'm not gonna lie when I worked at the county I felt safe even though I was in a neighborhood with gangs with violence with drugs with all these homeless people these people that you know, they don't have anything to lose. I felt safe there because we had metal detectors. We had security guard. We had sheriffs on, 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 you know, campus. Like I felt safe. I felt like nobody's going to walk through these doors with a gun or a knife because we metal detect them. And I'm sorry, but I'd rather be safe than sorry. So I, I hate that. Like, I just, I don't understand that. Like (laughs) my stance on guns has obviously changed i mean i wanted to be a cop i was supposed to be someone who would carry one of these things and now i just i don't think they're worth it i don't understand why anyone needs an assault rifle in my opinion guns were made for one thing and one thing only and that's to kill whether you're killing an animal whether you're killing a human like it's still made for only one thing When I was in LAPD Explorer, I remember learning you shoot to stop, not to kill. What the hell happened to that idea? Because I don't, I haven't seen it with all the shootings that occur with involving the police. And I don't understand how these children are getting access to guns. I don't understand the method of these people who think that killing innocent people is worth it. Like what, what is America come to I just I don't understand and like I remember we were flying to Arizona because my friends were getting married and I saw people with open carry guns that is normal in Arizona that is not normal for me in Los Angeles and to be honest I did not feel safer 
I did not feel like, oh, okay, that guy has a gun. I feel safe. Like, if anything happens, at least he has a gun. No, I'm terrified of this man. I don't know him. I don't know his emotional stance. I don't know how emotionally mature he is. What if he goes psycho and takes out his gun and points it at me? Like, I don't, that makes me actually feel more unsafe. And like, people argue that people don't kill people or guns don't kill people. People kill people. Well, I'm sorry, but who has to operate the damn thing? Obviously a human. And you don't know the thought process going on behind that person. Like in their mind, I just, one thing that I don't understand is like, when you pick up that gun, I believe that you have already made a commitment. If you point that gun at me, you've already shown me that you're willing to kill me. You're not going to shoot me to injure me. You're not going to shoot me to stop me if you're going into a grocery store and going rampage and just wanting to shoot people. You have picked up that gun and committed to something. And that shows me that you don't care for another human's life. I just don't understand how many more kids have to die. How many more innocent people at a grocery store, at a movie theater, at a festival. Like what has to happen? I understand can understand that people in the south baby don't agree with this because they use their guns for fun it's a fun activity to go shooting I can see how that's fun I can see how you want to work on your aim and and you know this is fun I don't see hunting as fun because I like animals but like if that's gonna supply your meal for a year like I I get it I, I mean I don't agree with it I think you could go to a grocery store and buy meat if you wanted but like okay that is not how I was raised. So I don't under, like fully understand hunting. But I just don't understand what it has to take. I don't understand people not wanting stricter gun laws and then complaining like, how did that this mass shooting happen? Like, are you stupid? Really? How did this mass shooting happen? That doesn't That doesn't make sense to me. Like, why are we putting our ownership of a gun in front of someone's life like why is owning a gun more important than someone's life you know I argued with this a long time ago with a friend who said I want to own a gun so I can protect my family I'm sorry but is America really as great as you think if you need a gun to go to bed to feel safe and to feel like you are protecting your family? Is it really so great if you need to own a gun to feel safe? Like, I don't understand that part. Because 30, 40, 50 years ago, people used to go to bed and not lock their doors because it was so safe. And now, People have to go to bed with a gun next to them in their drawer to feel safe? Please explain to me where the greatness of America is in that statement. Because I don't see it. There has been, what I read today, I don't know if it's true, 212 shootings and we're only on the 144th day of 2022. So I I just don't understand that at all and I see more death more shootings more negative 
things about guns, then I see positive. Where are the stories where you can justify that you owning a gun helped save your family? Where are those news stories? Because I would like to see them. Because I would like to be proven that we should have the right to bear arms to protect our family. And I want to see where's the proof. Because right now, over and over again, have I been proven that guns are bad. That guns kill people. That guns are not worth it. There's been so many shootings in that, but I've never been proven that owning a gun is worth it because Jack saved Sally from the intruder is what I want to know. You know, I also wish that the media would stop focusing on being the first to break headlines, being the first to have the story, being the first to have this. And I wish they would think more about the people being injured than the people who are causing the harm. Stop giving these shooters a platform. Stop giving these shooters time in the light of day. Stop putting their photos out there. Stop putting their names out there. I feel like this encourages people to want to become mass shooters so that they could be known and praised for this shooting. Like, why are we giving these people attention and why are we giving them a platform? At this point, like, if I feel like if a mass shooting were to happen to me and they were going to interview me, I'd be like, why? What for? Nothing is going to change. Nothing until we make stricter laws. And as much as I wish we could ban guns, the argument I agree with is it's not going to stop bad people from getting them and acquiring them. So I'd rather have one than not have one. I can understand that. I can totally see that. But these are everyday people from my experiences. You just never know when someone is going to snap. I took care of a shooter once. It's my job. I have no judgment. I can't. And in speaking to them, when I heard their story on why they did what they did, and this was a highly televised shooter that I had to take care of. When I'm in the hospital, I don't judge. I take care of inmates all the time. I never ask what they did. When I'm in the hospital, I have one job, and that is to take care of my patient the way I would take care of anyone. I give every single patient the same treatment, whether they're a friend of the hospital, a celebrity, an inmate. It doesn't matter to me. I treat you the same. I hold no judgment. But when this shooter told me why they did what they did, I walked out the room and I just started to cry. And everyone asked me why. And I'm like, you expect these people to be horrible human beings. You expect them to be the scum of the earth. And when you speak to them, you realize that they're just human. They're humans. And they just didn't have the right path to follow mentally. They are so messed up that they didn't get the help they needed. And now innocent lives are lost. There's no coping skills. And now they're going to jail. Why are we going through this again and again 
and again. I honestly don't know what needs to happen. In my perfect world, I would just ban guns and only give them to police officers and military personnel. And if you wanted to go hunting or shooting, you would only be able to do so if you went and rented a gun. I wouldn't want personally anyone to own a gun. But I just wish that America would wake up, American voters would wake up, vote the right people into office, and have stricter gun laws. Because I just don't know whose family member it's going to take to die in order for us to make that change. And sadly, I have no hope that even though 14 babies lost their lives today, I have no hope that this will change anything, sadly. Because I at first was like, when it came to COVID, (laughs) I remember being like, oh, you know, kids weren't getting sick at first. It was just adults, like older adults, then middle-aged adults, and then young adults. And I was like, okay, when the kids started getting sick, I was like, okay, maybe people will take this seriously now. Like maybe people will actually wear their masks and get vaccinated and blah, blah, blah. And I remember a friend telling me, there has been so many school shootings. They don't care. What makes you think that people are actually going to comply now that kids are dying? And I was like, shit, you're right. How many school shootings have to happen before something changes? So sadly, as heartbroken and angry as I am, I just don't feel like even this event will change anything. But goddamn, do I hope I'm wrong. I know this podcast episode has been really long. And most of it, it's like not planned out. I'm just rambling at this point. But I'm just so angry. And I, I know I'm very biased on the subject. I know I'm probably going to have a lot of backlash from this. And I know probably a lot of people are probably write to me and tell me their stance on why they think guns are positive. But like... After hearing everything that I've been through in my life, like, how do you expect me to be pro-gun? Like, I've never had an incident in my life where guns were a good thing. I'm old school. Like, you want to hurt me? Put your dukes up and let's fight it out. Like, what? I don't, I think, I'm sorry, but I think a gun is a pussy way out. Like, anyone can pull a trigger, but how many people can actually stand their ground and, like, fight? But anyway, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. And I'll hopefully make you smile next week with a brighter topic. Bye!